cried so hard and got so far But in the end, I wasn't even higher Hello, hello and welcome to Applies Job Bites. We're a podcast that covers jobs, job searching, the job application process, career growth and development, and almost everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Apply.io, the free browser extension that helps you apply to jobs with a single click and writes really good cover letters for you using AI. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Applies Job Bites. I'm John, your host, and with me today is John Tarnoff. John, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. John, uh, I'm super excited to get you on the show. And it, it strikes me that you're, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction here, which is that I think after our conversation, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be looking you up. Um, I love your story. <laughs> John, you're a communicator, a strategist, someone who has reinvented themselves multiple times in their career. You've even said it's become a lifestyle, um, having, having worked in over 18 different kinds of jobs. Um, so I want to start off by asking you, in the context of one's career, what is reinvention? Reinvention is the ability to pivot, uh, and the word that comes to mind, courageously, hopefully, or courageously, uh, from uh, one job to another, from one career focus to another, and to uh, do so uh, successfully. And, and it strikes me that if there was ever a time for people to think about reinventing themselves. We've had this like tumultuous landscape, right, in 2020. And you've, you've spoken and written a lot about how people can do or can undertake a reinvention through, you know, through an assessment of their happiness level or uh, wanting to pivot at some point in their career. But have you also seen people do reinventions through necessity? Well, for the most part, reinventions, dramatic reinventions are definitely through necessity. You get fired from a job, something happens, you know, that's, that's quite dramatic uh, in your life and you have to pull yourself together. It is daunting. Most people want to avoid that. They think, well, let me hold on to the job I've got and let me find another job. So it is, uh, it, 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 but now look, as you say, we're in a really uh, tumultuous period where everything that we knew is is changed and the acceleration of processes that were already in play before the pandemic are now much much more rapid so a lot of change going on we have to be ready for it we have to be resilient to it and i'll just jump right into it one of the things i think is most important particularly for younger and and early mid-career workers to understand is that the career process is not about applying to jobs, endlessly applying to jobs, sending your resume out. The strategy is about relationships. You have to focus on your network as the number one resource to build your career. Right. And so when, when you've been at these sort of inflection points and executed on your reinventions, how important, like what role did your network play in facilitating those? It was everything. And, and that was because I was engaged. I mean, I've been a career coach now, focusing on career transition and reinvention since about 2012. Uh, but for the previous 500 years, it seems, I was a uh, film producer and executive in the Hollywood movie business. I live in Los Angeles. And um, that's a very tumultuous business, which relies pretty much exclusively on relationships. 
So while I had a resume, absolutely, I had a listing of all my jobs and all that, I kind of never used it. When I was in transition from one job to the other, I was always using my network. I was always calling people up, taking people out for coffee or lunch. What's going on? You know, who's, uh, who's going to be needing someone? Who got fired? Who's going to replace them? It's all about the career community that you work in. And I think what's happened now is that the rest of the global economy, because of the changes, has become a lot more like entertainment used to be and still is, where it relies on your connections. And it seems to me like for, for many people, they kind of fundamentally grasp this point about the importance of a network. But in terms of their own implementation of it, it becomes a little bit of a an afterthought or something they only do when they really need it. And at that point, it's kind of obvious that you, you call up someone after three, four years. It's like, hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, great, great, great. And I need a job right now. So uh, can you help me out? And it's like, well, the hell, where the hell were you for the last three, four years? Right, right. I mean, I think that's a really great point. So that's why, yes, you have to always be networking. And, you know, you, you don't network to, uh, to get a job you network to basically stay in your job. Uh, and the one strategy, which I think is really, really important to make this work is the idea that you want to always be giving in your network. So the way you do this is not by calling people up and say, hey, I need a job or I need something. What do you got? Who can you refer me to? You call people up and say, hey, I just read this great article about your business that you may or may not have seen, but I wanted to send it to you because I think it's got some great ideas and I'd love to talk to you about it. You know, Or you call someone up and say, hey, do you know this guy or this woman? Uh, you know, They're doing what you do, you should meet them, they've got some great ideas. So you're always contributing to someone else. Now, you know the Pareto principle, this, the, the idea of 80-20, you, know, you mm. kind of do 80% you know, of your profit comes from 20% of your clients. So you apply that to networking uh, and you want to be giving 80% of the time and you want to be receiving 20% of the time because if you're giving the 80%, the 20% you get back is going to be super valuable. That's the gold dust. John, uh, one thing that really stood out to me when I was doing my research and preparing for our chat was how you've embraced so many ups and the downs of your career, it seems to work to your benefit in your own personal brand when you talk about having been fired from jobs. The natural instinct, if they've been made redundant or been fired or uh, any sort of less than sort of picture perfect exit from a role is to is to cover that up and kind of try right. to write, uh, no matter the cost, an, an alternative narrative. Yet it seems to work remarkably well for you. What, what kind of advice do you have to share for people that, you know, it hasn't worked out for them and they've, they've been let go from, from jobs? Well, I think it's worked for me, but I think it works for everyone. I think it, it, I think it kind of has to be this way because, and this is a kind of a psychological principle that I, that I hold, which is that in order to create your future, you have to reconcile your past. And that if you are holding on to something negative that happened to you, whether you got fired from a job or you blew a deal or you you kind of blew a relationship with someone, you're going to be carrying that negative energy into every single interaction and every single job interview that you're on. And the effect is going to be that 
they're, they're going to like you and they're going to think you can do the job, but there's three or four people uh, up for the job and they're going to be sitting around and they'll say, well, what about this person? And, and the hiring manager will say, well, you know, they're good, but there was something about them. I, I just can't put my finger on it, but they, they weren't quite 100% forthcoming and they didn't lie or anything, but there was something off. And that may be because you don't want to talk about the details of how you got fired, you know, or you've glossed over some details in your career. You want to be 150% transparent and authentic and clear about what has happened to you and the mistakes you've made because next to every mistake that you've made is a lesson that you've learned. And they are actually in a better position to hire you if you've learned the lesson because you're not going to make that mistake again. That's a valuable consideration for someone bringing someone into a company. You know, if, 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 if they hire someone who hasn't made any mistakes, that's kind of a bigger risk when you think about it for a good manager than bringing someone in who's made lots of mistakes, learned lots of lessons. So yeah. you want to be able to look back at those situations and say, okay, what was going on here? What did I do? Take responsibility for that and then also take responsibility for the lesson and put a story together around why that lesson makes you a great fit for that position. So really to kind of turn that narrative on its head completely to own it and then flip it around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, your attitude about the issue is the issue. You know, it's like if you go in and you feel shameful about something that happened, even if there's no real shame attached to it, the other person's going to pick up on that. Hmm. And they're going to be, you know, off put off by your shame. Whereas if you go in and you feel resolved, and it's not that you're denying it, it's not that you don't feel badly about it or regret it, but you've turned it around inside yourself. They're going to admire that because it shows resilience. It's a positive quality that they probably I would hope, want in the person that they're hiring for that position. It, it does seem to me that the ability to come out and tell that story and to be at peace and come to terms with it is a good way of establishing trust as well. You're, you're, you're probably not only establishing that trust, but also immediately differentiating yourself amongst all the run-of-the-mill candidates that are giving that very sort of, you know, middle-of-the-road, typical perfect interview answers and suddenly you're coming out and being a real human being. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you have to also marry that transparency and authenticity with a real point of view about the value that you bring to the table about what is your unique value proposition. And you may have lots of skills and that's great. And I'm, I have nothing against about uh, against acquiring skills, but on top of the skills, you need to have a contextual strategy around how you use the skills, how you've used your skills in the past, and to be able to really define a specific way that you deliver value in the work that you do. And that coupled with the authenticity and the transparency, I think is an unbeatable equation. Speaking of skills, there was a question I was keen to ask you. When it comes to reinvention, something that I had seen in the startup world, there's a, um, there's a very well-known entrepreneur and investor named Justin Kahn. And I, I believe it was 
he who coined the statement, and he was advising another entrepreneur when he did this, he advised them to be like a cockroach, just don't die no matter what, survive, right? And the, the rationale, the longer story to that is that you keep iterating as long as you survive, stay in the game um, and your chances of figuring out, you know, a problem, whatever that problem is, you figure it out and you survive when no one else does. But when it comes to reinvention, being brave enough to do these career pivots and like in your case, to do it many, many times, what is that one skill that you think has enabled you to do that and that others should look to develop if they want to do the same? I think for, there, there are probably a number of different skills or value sets that go into that. But I think the biggest factor there, I think, for, for a lot of people, and certainly for me, is this idea of limiting beliefs. We all have limiting beliefs about who we are, where we've been, what we're capable of. It comes from our childhood experiences, our experiences in school, interactions with peers, people in authority. It's like, you know, where were you in the, when they were selecting teams back in, in grade school, did you get picked first? Did you get picked last? Did you get picked somewhere in the middle for the teams? You know, we build up these ideas in our heads about who we are based on these experiences. And these limiting beliefs are not necessarily correct. So I think as part of the process, we have to question our limiting beliefs and we have to first build an awareness around what may or may not be a limiting belief. So whenever you hear yourself say something like, well, that's not who I am, or that's not the way the world works, or something along those lines, stop and think about this. Uh, I, I hear this with, with coaching clients all the time, where they'll make this assumption and they don't even realize it's an assumption. So look for that. Look for that in the things that your friends say. Ask them to look for it in the things that you say. Question all of those assumptions. You may find that, this, that the assumptions are correct. It's not about saying that all assumptions are wrong, but you want to think critically about this because if the assumption is wrong, it opens up a whole new area for you to think about. Mm. A, a funny example of that is I was catching up for um, uh, with a high school friend who I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, as you do in times of COVID and you have these sort of Zoom catch ups with people and, and we were both eating dinner. And I can't remember how we got talking about high school. And I said to him, oh, man, yeah, in high school, I had, I had like no confidence whatsoever. And he was like, what? No, you're so confident, dude. You were like, like one of the most confident guys. So you're right. These, uh, I think it can, be, it can be the other way around as well, right? But there's, there's always just a complete, there tends to be in many cases, a complete sort of divide between your, sense of, your own sense of self and, and how others see you. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that, that dovetails into one of my prescriptions and, and a stage that I, that I suggest, encourage my clients to do, which is, to do just the kind of thing that you did with your high school buddy, which is to, at the beginning of this career transition process, to get in touch with people that you have known for a long period of time, people you've worked with, family friends, family members, also, and, and to, to sit with them in a very, very concentrated way and go into a deep discussion about your strengths, your weaknesses, what you're good at, what you were not good at, and get a build up a consensus from a handful of people about how the world perceives you it's a revelation people are always saying you really do i have to do this do i should sh sh i mean this feels so awkward 
And invariably people come back from this experience and they say, oh my God, this was the most amazing experience because it confirmed a lot of things that I thought I knew about myself. It confirmed some things that I've been concerned about and it gave me some new suggestions about how I should concentrate or what I'm really good at. I didn't really know that, that, I, that people think I'm a good communicator as an example, or you know, whatever comes out of the conversation. But it's a great revelation for many people to understand where they should concentrate and how they've changed over a period of time. Yeah, it's, it's so valuable to get that kind of outside perspective and, and to help them debunk some of those self-limiting beliefs. Exactly. John, it's been incredible to have you on the show. You know, I think what we're going to be doing is, is linking your resources and, and talks in the description of our podcast so our listeners can reach out and That'd get in touch. Um, yep. I know you provide a great career coaching service for anyone who's interested. Um, I'd like to thank you again for coming on the show. John, it's my pleasure and great to be with you. Brilliant. Um, this has been another episode of Applies Job Bites, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the show. For any feedback, requests, or suggestions of things that we should include on upcoming shows, please drop us a line at contact at apply.io. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. Click, start and track, your application's never write a cover letter again. 